This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, so Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. Plus, they can be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the U.S., and again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree Podcast, episode 119. Is it time to retire that intro? Oh, hell yes. We don't even have a cat anymore. And I'm sick of it. I called you last week and I was like in a panic and kind of on the verge of tears just because obviously I'm emotional, you know. Why like is it easily. obvious you're emotional? What had you in such a tizzy? No, just I was stressed out, right? And then I was pinning all my stress on the fact that this intro sucks and we we need to update it. Wow. Carrying a lot <laughs> within an intro, eh? No, it was everything else, right? I was just, my emotions were just pinning it on that. Okay. Well, what do you suggest the new one be? Well, I'll work on it. Okay. I'll figure, I'll figure something out. But Shane, mm-hmm. you know what doesn't suck? You know what is good? No. Our guest tonight, baby. We have Ashley Freeborn. She is the founder of Smash and Dash. <laughs> just got this little funny smile on his face thinking I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, I'm always fascinated. When we get on the microphone, you're like a completely different person. And but it's I'm fascinating. Not. Okay. Maybe you're the best version of you. And that's what I, maybe I, I am jealous. I. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Anyway, Ashley Freeborn is the founder of Smash and Test, which she started with her mom and her sister. So we talk about running your own business. We talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about what led her to that, you know, when she was growing up and how she kind of brings that into her parenting now. And we talk hugely about the importance of failure because that, you know, that's something we touch on, I feel, the pod quite a bit. And it is something that is so important to recognize for your kids and for yourself, no matter what you do. Uh, so we get into that. And it's a great conversation. You guys are going to love it. Do you know who failed a lot? Uh, you? What? Why is this a roast? You, who? Michael Jordan. <laughs> I thought you were asking, like, a rhetorical type question. <laughs> well, I haven't succeeded enough for my analogy to be <laughs> impressive, but Michael Jordan's famous quote is, I've missed more shots than anyone, more buzzer beaters, I've lost more games, i failed so much, that's why I succeed. Is his quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? That was Wayne Gretzky. It was? All the greats have their quote. Jordan's <laughs> is a little long-winded. Gretzky's is more catchy. Right. Babe Ruth struck out more than anyone else in the Does history of baseball. Does he have a quote about it? Well, probably, but I think <laughs> it's more of a statistic that became famous with him that he struck out more than anyone in history, but also hit the most home runs. So sometimes you got to swing big. Just like Shaney Boy on the bar scene. 
What does that mean? You're saying striking you're out of my out, league? No, striking out lots, but then bringing home the big one. I wasn't striking out lots. I'm the big one. I had a good percentage. I was batting like what? 500. I'm just trying to make myself feel good here, okay? Well, me too. <laughs> why, why does me feeling like shit have to prop you up? No, I guess, I guess I'm just trying to reaffirm that I'm the big one and you won the wife lottery. I won the husband lottery. I'm not, I'm not, it's, it goes both ways. Okay, nice. I think there's an easier way for that to be equitable, but we got there in the end and I feel great. Um, yeah, so what, what do we have here in front of us? It looks like a delicious beverage. It is a delicious beverage, Shane. So we are drinking Seedlip Spice 94, of course, our favorite non-alcoholic spirit, and Fever Tree Ginger Beer. So it's, mm. you know, a non-alcoholic version of a mule. This is good. Cheers. Cheers. Let me, Let me taste this, this, baby. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. All right. I've never liked a mule more than I do right now. <laughs> All right. I have uh, some topics for tonight. I've got some questions. Wait, I've got... Let me start, though. All right. All right. Theme song. Do we keep the theme song? Like, we're going through a rebranding. I don't, I'm not sure yes. if you knew that. I just decided we're going like, to rebrand. Okay. Yes. Let's rebrand. I feel like we need to rebrand. We need to freshen. I'm thinking we get one of the Arkells to do... A theme song for us. Just Maybe. one of them? Tony. Oh. Let's get Tony. Tony does catchy jingles. We throw him like, I don't know, what's reasonable, 500 bucks? Yeah. Does a jingle for us? <laughs> I love your eyes darting at the prospect of money. You always <laughs> think people can just do things for free. No. No, I don't. Yes, you do. It's cheaper than 500. But, no, but you don't respect creative work. I, are you kidding me? If I, it I was see- putting in a uh, fireplace... You'd be willing to spend anything. If we went into like one of those little shops that sells pickles and jars and everything, you'd walk out of there easily spending 200 bucks. Okay. But creative work, you think 500 bucks is too much to make a jingle. First of all, you've been on me all weekend, all week for artisan food spending. I've just noticed we had to actually buy a, a, a jacket, a pair of gloves <laughs> uh, for us to keep our hands warm. Like Keeps, we needed yeah. a good pair of gloves to keep her hands warm a gift for my stepdad who also wanted to keep his hands warm <laughs> um and what else did we get we got one other thing oh uh, i got myself a nice t-shirt mm-hmm. for 9.99 so all of these things like a full winter jacket that like was 99 bucks these gloves one pair was 69 the other pair was 69 and you got a pair that was 89 or I think it was 99 99 actually. yes but you were just like th- these necessities to keep us warm that will arguably last for right. the next 10 years. The last time I bought a winter coat was over 10 years oh, ago. Same, yeah. So for 99 bucks, that's not bad. And you were just in a foul mood afterwards. <laughs> Yet, if you walk into one of those bakeries that sells all those expensive pastries and stuff, you will just buy it all, spend 180 bucks, walk out happy as a clam. And then leave the stuff on the counter overnight without putting it in Tupperware. <sighs> and then it just all goes to H. Well, and we have to throw it in the garbage the next day. And you're still happy as a clam. My eyes are bigger than my stomach. But ultimately, I'm a woman who likes to eat. And I'm a woman who likes to eat sweet treats. So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I stand by my purchases. Oh, and you bought like <laughs> oh, right in front of us. We have oh, leather geez. oil. One day, Alex decided she wanted to like 
clean her leather gloves. So she bought this $40 leather oil. You got to keep it supple. You haven't opened the leather oil. Well, because You're not a leather oiling type woman. Shane, I was going to be a leather oiling type woman until I read that my specific gloves, you're not supposed to oil them. How about you research what kind of oil or if any oil at all is necessary for gloves before you buy it? Well, I did. And it was that one that I bought. But then I was mm. looking at the specific website for the specific fancy leather gloves that I have. And you're not supposed to oil them. We need more leather then so I can oil things. Okay, we'll buy more leather. What's your topic? <laughs> Covered a lot. Oh, wait, wait, right wait, there. no. I, I, I do want to bring it back to the beginning of your topic for the rebrand. And oh, yeah. just just for the listeners, so we have we've been doing photos uh once a year for the past couple of years with Scarlett O'Neill, and she is an incredible, like the best photographer, right? Thanks She's a so lot. good. Get out of here. And Anyway, her husband is Tony. He's a keyboardist for the Arkells. And I think he'd be the perfect guy to write us a jingle. I know. Are you willing to spend $500? Let's do it. In that, for that, the pod. That's underselling it. He might laugh and say no. He might want more. It's true. Okay? It's true. So I'm just warning you. All right. I'm going to run it by him, though. Run it by him. Run it by him, then we'll talk. But I am in for this, Shane. We do need to freshen up. All right. My first question to you. So I was reading this week. It came out. Uh, David Beckham was on a podcast with the owner of this one fancy restaurant, like the River Cafe or something. I don't exactly know what it's called. And Erica, please try to cut out the burps <laughs> and Alex is doing in this question. <laughs> Sorry. I'm drinking nah, so many carbonated keep things. Keep them in. Um, anyway, so he's speaking to, I think it was the, the chef or the owner of that restaurant, right? And they're speaking about food and eating habits and things like that. And David Beckham made a quip about how Victoria has Victoria Be Beckham posh spice. Yeah. She has eaten the exact same meal for the last 25 years. Does not ever... Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Dinner. Okay, yeah. Does not ever stray. So then I was looking that up and he was saying, yeah, one of the happiest days of my life was when she reached over and tried a little bit of pasta I had on my plate and had a bite and enjoyed it. And Victoria, of course, has a history of disordered eating, and, and that's really tough. And of course, you know, this is this is tricky too. But she doesn't let any sauces, butters, oils, none of that come into her day. But the meal itself, I mean, I could probably eat the same thing for 25 years too. It's She does grilled fish and steamed vegetables. There's so many options, so many flavor options there. Okay, that's not that exciting. What's the question? Well, if you had to do 25, first of all, could you do 25 years, exact same dish every day? What meal would it be for and what would it be? I'm already doing it. Beef bowl. But every you don't do it every single day without straying. Pretty much. I'm actually disappointed when I don't get to eat my beef bowl. <laughs> if I could, I would do a beef bowl every day. However, sometimes things happen, Christmas, whatever, and people might think it's rude if a guy's just eating a big beef bowl <laughs> when people have cooked things. In my perfect world, I stay on schedule and I eat a beef bowl every day. I hate things throwing my schedule off. Mm -hmm. Perfect world. I work out for 45 minutes every day and I eat a beef bowl. Those are two things that are very hard to do every day for me. Like when I have a, a shoot at work, I have to stay at a hotel, I don't have Peloton, it's too cold to go outside. All these things affect me and my mood. Beef bowl yeah. and, and exercise are the most important things in my life. Besides um, Lucy and Betty. <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah. Your mom and dad are important. <laughs> no, you 
You mean the world to me, Alex. Thank you. Um, but yeah, beef bowl is a great thing. And I, I'd say I could do anything with a little bit of a little bit of Mexican flavor. I just the flavors are so good. Everything is so fresh. And what would you so rather many... do? Mexican or fish? Well, you could do fish with Mexican spices and flavors. So it's the thing. I do I could I think do the Victoria Beckham fish and veggies. Just because the combinations are endless. But wait, is Victoria mixing it up every day with different spices or is she doing the exact same fish the exact same way every single day of her life? Well, I don't. She does the fish pretty plain because I think it's grilled with nothing but maybe some spices. Yeah. So that's what makes it difficult. You were acting like she every day she has a new flavor. Well, she might. I don't know. Whatever's in season or you know, freshly caught, I'm sure. She's loaded with money. So she's probably getting like sea bass. Yeah, but she's loaded with money so she could eat different types of meals every day, too. Yeah. This topic is terrible. Let's, what's, what? what else you got? <laughs> but wait, do you want to know what our comfort food is? Um, okay, plantains. No. What? A piece of whole grain toast with some salt. Okay. What's your favorite comfort food? Um, Beef bowl? Beef bowl is comfortable. <laughs> okay, what? I'm trying to think. What, what You name a comfort food. Hmm. Oh, any type of pasta. You make me any type of delicious pasta, some, you know, with ragu or braised beef or something, and that will just make me feel so warm and happy. I I can't be upset while eating a great pasta dish. Meatloaf is comfortable for me. Mm. Yeah. Not big time. (laughs) (laughs) I would do any. R.I.P., by the way. What? (laughs) He just recently died. Who did? Meatloaf. Oh, sorry. I was confused (laughs) because in the middle you said, I will do. Oh, that's Meatloaf who sings that song. I didn't get it at first. Okay, wait, folks. Shane and I went to a really hilarious event a few years ago. It was a a stage version of Bad Out of Hell. Yes. Was it good? No. Can I talk about it because my work funded it? No. (laughs) Okay. I'll stay away. Okay. So... I want to talk about standing up for yourself. And maybe this is a topic that is more new for me because I've never been one to stand up for myself in workplace situations, things like that. And I think being online is kind of giving me a little bit of a backbone in that regard. Did you recently go online? Well, I'm online every day. Oh, okay. But we've been online for years and years. But I I think through that and in dealing with people and criticisms and things like that, criticisms are fine. You know, I'm happy to discuss if somebody has a concern. But in regards to people just flat out trolling or being mean for no reason, I'm developing more of a backbone in dealing with that. What's a main criticism that you would receive? You're too beautiful? No, uh, quite the opposite, Shane. You and I were both trolled this week, really? uh, somebody called I us. Understand both. me being trolled. Somebody, <laughs> somebody commented on a very regular TikTok of you and I and said you both look very dehydrated. And I, it wasn't the best lighting <laughs> that video. It was beautiful lighting. I thought we actually looked great, which is part of the reason I took so much offense to it initially. And uh, then I looked at the person, and it's like, aside, she was a stripper, but she's a be- she's a beautiful beautiful woman and she's going on our account it's the inside that counts though alex you will she didn't have a nice inside i'll she's tell a you troll that on the inside yeah yeah 
And she is going and commenting on people's accounts who might not look as beautiful as she does, telling us we look Speak dehydrated. Speak for yourself, first of all. <laughs> Don't bring me into this. Oh, you were in it, babe. I know, but I'm saying I think I look just as good as her. <laughs> You could be making that money for my family then. I wish. She was going on lots of vacations. Oh, I, I looked at the account and I followed her. She got the follow. <laughs> See, she blocked me because mm-hmm. I had commented underneath and I just kept it simple. I said, why do you feel the need to say this on our account or on our video? And then she deleted her comment. But I wasn't going to let Coward. it go. I know. So then I went on her account and I commented under her video and I said, hi there. Just curious. Why do you feel the need to comment negative you things kept it on going. my videos? And then she blocked me. But that's okay. I felt fine with that. And See, I wouldn't do that because I don't want her to block me. Because she's a hot stripper? Well, it passes the <laughs> TikTok passes the time. <laughs> of course not. I don't follow her. Of course. But um. I also in the last couple of weeks had a couple instances of standing up for myself professionally. And that felt so, so good and so empowering and also so stressful and terrible. And I had so many tears and Shane had to coach me through, you know, my confrontations kind of thing. But I feel so good having done that. And Shane, I'm curious for you, is it a big move? Because for me, it was so out of character. It felt like such a big move to stand up for myself at work. Have you ever had to do that at work? And what was the circumstance? Oh, so many times. The, well, here's the thing about me, though. My IQ actually goes up by like 40 points anytime <laughs> there's a confrontation. So it's a little disarming for people who are used to me when I'm maybe calm mm-hmm. or anxious. I don't get I don't run away from a confrontation. I run towards it. Right. And I really um, my brain just goes and like hyper focuses in on it. And I just think so quickly that it can it's hard to walk away from a confrontation with me feeling that you have the upper hand for Mm -hmm. me, I find. It's like my my strong suit. And what's your confrontation style? Like if if somebody says something nasty about you at work or whatever, what's your style? Do you go in there serious, straight face, deadpan, or do you go in there with like humor and kindness but also sternness i've got everything at my disposal when i'm angry i've got everything and it's all right there and i wish i had this my whole life because i don't have it in any other situation i'm stumbling i'm fumbling i'm inarticulate but when i'm angry (laughs) everything gets super clear and i can see all the words and like catch them i feel like eminem almost (laughs) so when he's on like a really great tangent like there's that super bowl video yeah. where all the words are in front of them and he's grabbing them and throwing like them at it. himself so yeah confrontation isn't something i like to have but when i do i find i thrive in them but the last well, somebody had at work yeah there was it's tough to kind of talk about but someone was impersonating me at work right. via like online and messaging women mm-hmm. so that was like so uncomfortable for me and then and you were able to find out who it was i wasn't able to 100 percent prove it and that's the <laughs> like i i'm 99 sure right. i mean i i asked i confronted the person via email and then right afterwards that person deleted their internet history and everything and right. essentially like destroyed their computer tower to delete evidence so if that's not an admission of guilt i don't know what is <laughs> however do i have cold hard evidence no mm-hmm. and that person eventually got it left the company Mm -hmm. under uh you know unceremoniously was asked to leave 
But my last thing, I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like at my work, I'm the biggest team player. Right. Well, see, I, I, I'm just going to say, like, I feel the same way. And then that's why I was surprised when, you know, somebody had an issue with me and didn't take it up in, in an appropriate way that I think could have been mutually beneficial. And you were the M&M because when I got home, I was so upset and I sat down with you and we like, you calmed me down. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of went over, you know, how to approach it in a script. And you were so good. Like you, you were like, Alex, if I was in this position, this is what I would mm-hmm. say. And you did it perfectly. Like yeah. you were all of a sudden. Well, I was so angry. I was so upset when you told me I went down and played NBA Jam to cool <laughs> off. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. And like I hate uh, when things are unfair or mm-hmm. unjust. And I'm just running through all the scenarios, all the things you can say. And then you texted me and you go, I'm going to bed early tonight. I just don't feel well. And it's 930. <laughs> so so I'm like, forget that. I leave the NBA jam and I called you out to the room where we're doing this podcast. And we just went over every scenario. Yeah. What the she could possibly say to you to, to refute, mm-hmm. you know, your argument, which you were totally in the right. And by the way, nothing's better in having an argument when you know you're right. Well, I know, but see, I I get so nervous when it comes to these things. And honestly, I think a lot of women do. And this is why I like talking to you about this right now, because I think it's something that men do differently, but then you also are just so good at it. Mm-hmm. So I think you have advice that, you know, other people could learn from right now. I just wanted to jump in your body, go to work for you, and walk <laughs> right in there and just lay it out there. Because you were right. And uh you know, you don't need to be mean. You don't need to be aggressive. You can be stern, but you were just in this particular situation. It was infuri- infuri- I have Say it for me. Infuriating. How right you were. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing that you told me that I really internalized and made a point of not doing the next day, you said, Alex, because we, we'd practice, right? And then I go, look, I'm sorry this happened. And you go, no, don't apologize. Never. You didn't do anything wrong. You have nothing to be sorry for. So don't apologize if that. you're sorry. Don't apologize if you did nothing wrong and you're not sorry. Mm-hmm. Because that can be used against you later. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the first to apologize. If I do something wrong, go right in there with an apology because you want to let's calm the situation down. You did nothing wrong. You have nothing to apologize for you, nor should you. And that's on there. That's their cross to bear. They apologize to you. And you you pretty much don't want to leave until you get that apology. And if you don't get that apology, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. But honestly, Shane, having that conversation was so helpful because I did stand up for myself. I felt so good walking out of there. And now it's just it's behind me. And I have that. Not, I don't. I wouldn't say I have the skill now, but I have the confidence to do it again. Yeah, and we. Uh, I, I reference this movie quite often, but we bought a zoo. Terrible movie, Cameron Crowe. <laughs> it's when he's on the decline. He did Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous, then Elizabeth Town, which was tanked, and then he did We Bought a Zoo, which was better than Elizabeth Town, but still a tanking. Was movie. Elizabeth Town uh, Kristen Dunst? Kristen Dunst, and who's British guy married to Carrie, Katy Perry? Orlando Bloom. Uh, Orlando Bloom, where mm. he did an American accent. Anyway, Weird. this digre- aggression is uh, <laughs> defeating the point. Point is, we bought a zoo. There's a quote where it's like, all it takes to get through some things is seven seconds of courage. Mm. So sometimes people avoid this 
breakthrough because they're too scared to confront a person. But if they just have the seven seconds it takes to walk into the room and get into that conversation, often you're going to feel a lot better. And sometimes I find a way you run away from confrontation because you dislike it so much. Whereas it could solve a lot of problems for you, even if you stumble through it terribly, Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of power in being right and knowing you're right. Because even if you do it poorly, you're still right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And honestly, I do recommend like if anybody's listening and you're in a situation where you're like, I really need to stand up for myself professionally or in this relationship or in this friendship, do it because it is so empowering. And again, like you just you stumble and then you can do it better next time and you learn. But if you're like me and you're never going to take that step forward, then you're always going to suck at it. Right. Especially if somebody does it in text or in an email yes. and they're wrong in an email, they just sunk themselves Mm -hmm. because you have all the evidence. (laughs) It's not hearsay anymore. No, exactly. Exactly. And they're usually, if you're, again, like me and you're kind of meek in those situations, they're not expecting it. You're not meek. You're only, you're you're timid and you don't want to go into it. But when you do, you're great. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say you're meek when you get into it. No, all I, I know because you've gotten into it with time. me sometimes. <laughs> when I'm wrong, it's tough to defend. Yeah. Well, moving on, uh, and this is the last question I want to ask. So, so many times, you know, I'll be in an interview with a woman, and you know, this was one of my questions with Ashley. Who's that? This, oh, this Ashley podcast. Freeborn. Yes. Yeah. And just because I like for my own, you know, my own life. How do you balance it? How do you balance work and being a parent, work and being a mother typically? And it's a question that women get asked all the time, like actresses, business women, whatever, you know, entrepreneurs. But men never get asked that question. And that gets brought up too. It's like, why is it women that, you know, are always reminded that they have the family and the business, whereas men, they'll happily go into an interview and the, the interviewer is never going to ask them about how they balance fatherhood in their career. So I want to ask you that because I, I mean, I know we've interviewed a lot of men on this podcast and I've inter- I've asked the ones that are like so dad centered questions like that, but I don't know that I've asked that. So I feel like I'm a part of the problem and you have a career like, you know, nine to five, you have this podcast, you have the best hang podcast, which is awesome. Go check it out. You have a sketch show that you're working on. You are one of the busiest people. Well, and your our TikToks and, <laughs> and our TikTok. social media management. Yeah, no, that's the thing, Shane. It's it's a ton of Booking stuff. Booking podcast guests for this podcast. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's nonstop. It's like having three full time jobs. What you have, and I want to know how do you have you ever been asked first of all how you balance your work and fatherhood, and then I want to know how do you balance work and fatherhood. Do you think about that even? You just get into habits and it's like every Saturday we're spending three hours doing TikToks. Those TikToks are going to last us through the week. Every Monday I'm handling messaging guests throughout Mm. my uh, lunch break. Then it's just you create all these habits. There's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's very effective and you can almost do anything. And before you know it, the habitual nature and the inertia pushes you through where it doesn't even seem that wild anymore. Mm-hmm. And it seems very doable, attainable. And it does feel good when you start something and you achieve things. It's mm-hmm. addicting. It's your adrenaline gets pumping. You get dopamine. And, you know, I'm in the middle of finding out what is, you know, wrong with me, for lack of a better term. I've been feeling 
like a little out of place? Do I have ADHD? Do I have, am I, you know? Well, you, you feel like you're not neurotypical, right? Which yeah, is how say and it. It, that is something I like, I've been leaning just through TikTok and I know self-diagnosis is always a slippery slope and people often try to do it and they're often wrong, but mm-hmm. often people are, are correct too. So I, f- I have a, a dopamine shortage, I find, where it is hard to get that good feeling. So often I do things like, you know, constant snacking or needing to work out or just getting all these little dopamine hits throughout the day to carry me through. And I find I get that through work. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is also, it's rewarding to do these things as stressful as it can be. And obviously being around the kids and doing fun things. It, it, like today we went to the park. That was fun for me. Yeah. It didn't feel like, oh, I'm being a dad and playing with kids isn't fun. It was great fun for me. Mm-hmm. So luckily at this age, it's fun. I don't like babies. I, won't, <laughs> I will never relate to a baby. I don't know how to deal with them. But the kids right now, like Betty's 17, 16, 17 months. Mm-hmm. Lucy's three. This is the sweet spot to be a dad. And it's really fun. And it's not all that difficult. It can be... Maybe feeding them is hard, like making food is boring. <laughs> food food and bedtime, I'd say, are tricky. Yeah. But even, but see, and I, but I still like the food and the bedtime because there are really cute moments that happen in that. But I guess what I want to know is when you are, you know, enthralled in your work or like consumed, enthralled is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. But no, when, it's when the you're, right word. Yeah. So when, you, when you're kind of consumed by your work and you're just in the middle of it and it's kind of getting you from all angles, are you thinking about how am I going to balance seeing the kids with this? Do you know what I mean? Well, part of the thing, like if I do have ADHD, I think the good thing about it is I can't focus on one task for more than five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So I am I will start cleaning three things in my room, then come out, put two dishes away, then send one email, then go play <laughs> with Betty for a minute, then go in the pantry and get a handful of crackers, then go back and finish <laughs> another email. And, and it's just this cycle all day. Mm-hmm. So it's spread out all day. I do a lot of parenting, but it's never for more than like two or three minutes. And I'm at home all the time too. So it makes it, makes it much easier to... Oh, I need a break now. Yeah. Oh, I need another fistful of M&Ms. Oh, I need to do 20 push-ups. <laughs> I have to do all these things constantly. Oh, I need to watch this YouTube clip. Oh, now I'm down a weird YouTube rabbit hole. Oh, I have to do this thing. <laughs> I have to call, make a dentist appointment. Everything becomes the most important thing in the world yeah. every two minutes. And it's nonstop. And I just do this all day. And it becomes a weird addiction. Yeah. No, I do think that you're addicted to work but not not like work just doing things you're addicted to doing things and because everything is exciting and there's so much joy in everything and i i do get that from you well you know like like when we shoot our our tiktoks Mm -hmm. if you're taking more than you know three minutes to read the scripts i'm like alex we gotta go we gotta go i'll start pacing (laughs) i'll be like we gotta keep the beat like this (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, I have this fidgety thing. Shane hates Lolly Yeagers. It's just, I need to go, go, go. But then you lolly gag in certain situations. I you do. lolly gag in grocery Groceries. stores. I know do you're you know how say that. long it took you, Shane? You're better at walking at my clip now in the grocery store. When we first started going to the grocery store together, it was like you were just way behind looking, looking at the ceiling. Like, I don't even know what you were doing. And 
you, you couldn't keep up with me because I like to go quick in a grocery store. I know you do. You walk too fast. I was thinking about it the entire time we were in the grocery store today. <laughs> First of all, we went to the grocery store to kill time because we had a, a like few extra hours. So I'm thinking, what's the end goal here? If we fire through this grocery store and get everything done, then we have a half hour surplus at the end of it all, where then we're trying to think of what to do with the kids when we're at home. And then it's going to be an, an Encanto YouTube <laughs> toy videos that Lucy likes to watch. I'd much rather walk around at a leisurely pace. We're playing with the kids. We're having fun. What is you love walking through airports and grocery stores so fast? And with children, I don't get it as much as I would get it without children. I just like the sense of purpose. I know, but when you when you're walking through the airport, one, it's me with the two kids and the luggage and everything. When you're walking through a grocery store, we're usually killing time. Okay, enjoy the, it. The, I, I love, first of all, I enjoy the grocery store. Whether I am lollygagging with Shane or walking at my own speed, I love being in Fortino's. And like, yes, I, I said earlier to you in the car, Shane, not just any grocery store, but we have like a chain where we live called Fortino's. Stick me in a Fortino's for an hour. I am a happy camper. It is such a nice place. You get a really good coffee, walk around. It's fun. Run around, basically. Speed walk around. You <laughs> get think a workout in. You feel so cool the way you walk. You yes. have this like very confident strut. <laughs> and you love, you get this face on where your face gets like really tight. And it's like you're just walking around and you it's like you're a, I don't know, like a, the paparazzi's chasing you at a reasonable pace, but you're going to speed walk in front of them. Hey, you need a good grocery store strut. You never know when the lines are going to get too long, when it, they're just going to have a rush and you need to get your stuff and get to a checkout counter. You are so like speaking of habits, this is such a habit for you. You don't even know why you're walking so fast and you'll walk by the thing you need. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I got to go back. <laughs> You know why I do Same it? Same way in the airport. You know why you, I do you, it? You, why? I like to. Yeah, I know. But sometimes <laughs> you got to think, why am I doing this? Why is this happening? I don't know. I like, I think I like going in front of the family and just get getting the, getting my lookers ready and just knowing which aisle we have to go on to and reading the signs and everything. So that by the time you guys catch up with me, I generally know which direction to take you in. Yeah. And you're not always aware of people who you're cutting off. Oh, screw them. Yeah, I know. That's the attitude. <laughs> but yeah, don't think I wasn't thinking about it the entire time we were at the grocery store. Oh, 100%. Store. Yeah. And I'm sure you were too. Like every time I'm manning the grocery store cart, you're like, oh, let me do it. <laughs> but and, Shane, with that, I say let's cut it. Let's get to Ashley Freeborn. Let's do it. Okay. But before we do that, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I are in the process of reducing our environmental footprint. We're changing the world one load at a time. (laughs) In my mind, that sounded good. One way we are doing this, as Shane said, is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. That comes to cleaning receptacles. It comes to laundry. And, you know, our laundry with two kids was looking a bit like a detergent bottle graveyard. It was a mess. It was. And now we've got our laundry room looking tip top. It's actually the cleanest room in the house right now. (laughs) Shockingly. Sadly. But we discovered True Earth laundry detergent several months ago and have not looked back. The detergent itself comes in pre-measured soluble strips, which you simply rip apart and put in your washer. (laughs) It's fun to rip. That was a good sound effect. I was going to say, even Shane can do it. What? Is, I don't like this. Man shaming? Well, it's true. All right. 
You're right. I can do it. <laughs> it is truly so easy. And the best part, as we said, is no plastic. Plus, since the packaging is so compact, it makes everything look so much tidier. Cleanest from the house. And I want to let you folks know, we have also now gotten into their cleaning spray because it also comes in pre-measured soluble strips. We dip one strip into a, you know, a glass bottle, fill it with water, give it a shake. And then we have a table cleaner, a kitchen cleaner, bathroom cleaner. It is so multifunctional. It is so amazing. So check out True Earth Detergent and Cleaners at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytreat10 to get 10% off your order. You will love this product. Take our word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytreat10. And now let's get to our interview with Ashley. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am exhausted, but good. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Is that Friday afternoon or I guess it's evening there, right? 6 p.m. Just got the kids, 6.30, just got the kids down. And uh, it's it's been a long one. Been up since 5. Oh, my gosh. I hope you don't mind. I – Oh, I like your style. I should have done that. <laughs> I need I needed something. <laughs> but I I feel you. My my one year old was uh I got violently woken up by her vomiting um in her crib. And so I was up I was showering her at 4 30 a.m. I was like, oh my god, she's fine. I think it's just like her food didn't sit well or so, it was you know how kids are. It's just like Throwing up one minute, find the next. But anyway, we didn't get a lot of sleep last night. That's but that like is a violent wake up. That's you know more yeah. than just like your kid coming in and you know shaking yeah. you or no, something. No, it was my husband shaking me. He's like, Ashley, <laughs> tell him just drop everywhere. I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm like, up, I'm up, I'm in. Like it was like the quickest wake up known to man. But anyway, we we sorted it. She was fine. It's all good, but it has been a very long Friday. But this is a fun way to wrap Friday. You I know? love it. No. Cat, yeah. I love it, especially in these times. It's like a little hang. But Ashley, I'm going to get into it if that's good with you. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So we're here with Ashley Freeborn, the romper queen, founder of <laughs> Smash and Test. And I have to say, I got I got appropriately dressed. <gasps> Cute. <gasps> I love it. I know. I know. So now I, whoops, now I feel good and I know I look good and, you know, just ready for the hang, basically. But I'm obsessed with you, your brand that you created, your ethos. I heard you talk at um, Mom Fest in Toronto oh, yeah, kind of recently, a few yeah. months ago. And everything, it's just, it is so inspiring to see somebody succeed in something that they really want to succeed in because that's tough. It takes a lot of yeah. hustle, it takes a lot of dedication, it takes a lot of, you know, just kicking yourself in the ass. And I lack a lot of those qualities. For a for a businesswoman myself, I lack a lot of these qualities and I'm trying to work on it. So I want to get into the psyche of Ashley Freeborn and figure <laughs> out how to create a successful human so that maybe I can replicate that in my own Are kids. you kidding me? Look at your <laughs> podcast. You're so successful. But I love a little, you know, self-deprecation is fine. You know? No, it, it's because my husband <laughs> is my manager and he kicks me in the ass. But <laughs> I want to talk about your upbringing. So Ooh. were you around entrepreneur, entrepreneurial people? Were you around creativity? No, I, I was... I'm daughter to two very type A leaders, leaders to the core parents. My mom, uh, we're just retiring as CEO of a financial institution. My dad was the fire chief. 
both of whom, you know, reached the top levels of what they did. But when I grew up way back in the day, I graduated (laughs) in, in 2000. So you can do the math, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't readily available. We, I had the whole dial up internet, you know, barely had a hotmail. I had my hotmail email. And so it wasn't being exposed in the way that this current generation is exposed to entrepreneurship was not a, a luxury that I had. So it was not even something I considered. People are like, oh, when did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I'm like, uh, never actually it's <laughs> not true. Now I know I want to be an entrepreneur, but I, um, I actually never saw anybody being really successful as an entrepreneur. So for me, it made sense to get a job and a career and something that would pay the bills. Like my dad would say, give me a pension. And so I went into teaching um, full time and did that for 10 years. And 10 uh, years? I did. I taught high school um, English, actually, theater, alternative education. That's um, what I do. I teach. I'm a, I'm a high school English teacher. Yeah. So that's part of why the day was long. <laughs> yes. I hear you. So I always taught nine and 11 because the English, because I didn't want the provincials. So I would avoid the provincials. That was my jam. But yeah, I did that for 10 years. And it wasn't until near the end where I realized I wasn't fulfilled. I started to like put like help me rescue signs out there being like, I'm not, I don't think I'm happy anymore, but nobody listened. And then I realized if I was going to do something different, I'd probably have to do it on my own. And so um, I went and spent a summer in the UK, went to the Condé Nast College of Fashion Design Vogue, released this really cool summer intensive. And it was there that I took all of my dreaming and scheming and my mom and I used to match in our Christmas PJs every year. And so I just loved all things cozy. I loved fashion. All my students used to be like, it's three more. I'm like, I always want to see what you're wearing today. Cause I was like, loved it. And so it, I just went for it. And, um, that's when I started putting my business plan together. But after that, I, I still worked full time for a few, like at least, uh, four years since the sort of beginning, beginning of my business plan. So it was my side hustle. Similar to you working all day and then doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, you got to grind it out sometimes. So that's what I did. Absolutely. And 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 it can be tough, but actually like, that's a huge step to be doing something for 10 years. So I'm eight years through into teaching and deciding to change careers after you've gone to school, paid for the education and you're in it, like you're established, you're in it. Yeah. That's a scary step. But I think about, you know, you said your mom was the CEO of a financial institution and your dad was a fire chief. Yeah. Those are wild leadership roles. Like that takes a lot. So clearly they instilled that in you. But what else? Do you think there was anything else that they that they kind of taught yeah. or modeled? Yeah, definitely. I think uh and to your point, yes, it was a lot of in, it was a lot of investment in time and energy into a career and I actually did my graduate degree in education. So But I think I needed to do all of that because once I got to like my highest pay grade, I had my graduate degree. I was like, and now what? Because I'm like (laughs) such a like forward momentum person. And I think that's when I realized I was like, whoa, this is it now. Now I just do this for the rest of my life. And I was like, I don't know that I want to, you know, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. It took me going through all of that to come to that realization. But yeah, I think with my parents, they pop, they taught me two things. My mom, if I think about my mom, my mom, I was very lucky in that I saw what it meant to, to love something so much outside of just having a family or just having babies. My mom showed me every day 
what it meant to have a passion that she just like loved. She loved going to work. She loved traveling for work. She was uh, in finance in the eighties. So like you can imagine very male dominated. And she tells me stories where I'm just like, like, it's, it's not like, it's mind blowing how far we've come, but we still have so much more to go in terms of women in leadership in, in their careers. And so she instilled that in me, very business minded, super creative. She was in marketing before she became a CEO, which is a track not often taken in finance, usually going the finance route, but she, you know, she went through marketing. Um, and then my dad was, my dad, they're so yin and yang. My dad <laughs> is like, let's go dirt bike riding and camping. And he's, he's all about community, community, community. And so when I think about why I am the way that I am, or like the brand that we have, it's like, I see that part of my mom that's like, loves fashion and marketing and exciting storytelling. And then I think of my dad, that's like, but what are you doing? Like, what, what's your impact in this world? And like, and not to say my mom doesn't have them, but that's always been my dad's biggest thing. It's like, Ash, I'm so proud of you. Like, do you ever like think about the great impact you're making? And I remember when I left teaching, he was kind of disappointed. You know, he was like, really, you're going into fashion. And I was like, yeah, but I promise, I promise I'm going to do it in a way that feels responsible. And like, we're positively impacting the community. And I think I've, luckily, I think I've made him proud now. Um, but, <laughs> but I, but, you know, I, I do feel that both of them, I'm, I'm this total juxtaposition of like fashion and travel. And like, I love five-star hotels. And then I'm like my dad where I love motorcycles and dirt bikes. And I love just like the simple things yeah. in life too. So it's kind of that balance. So I'm, I'm very lucky to yeah, have both of them. That's a models. perfect balance. And I got to say, before I move on, I bet not knowing her, but I just bet your mom had a sweet fucking power suit or two in the oh, 80s. Oh, you don't even know. The days of the shoulder pads? Oh, unbelievable. Like, you should see her closet now. She, you know, was going into the office just prior to retiring. The woman wears six-inch heels Ooh. and, like, the most fabulous suits you've ever seen. Like, you're, like, to the nines. Like, she takes it seriously. She's like, if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to work, I'm going to dress to go to work. I I'm like, it. all right. You I do you. <laughs> you know what? I only I only started that mentality kind of recently in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. Because before I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, you know, I do this. I'm a teacher for a living. So I'm just I'm gonna dress like a teacher. I was I wasn't having fun with it. And I just throw on, you know, the same variation of the same thing every single day. And then recently I started wearing like my leather pants, my animal yes. prints, and it makes me feel good. It's fun for the students. And then it's just my vibe is better throughout the day. It's like it's happy when you totally. wear something happy. And of course, you know so much about that. But what I want to ask, you said earlier, you're like, I started putting out after 10 years, help me signs. Mm-hmm. What were yeah. those to you? Because I feel like the pandemic has been a really unique time for women where they're in their careers. And then everybody's kind of putting out their own help me signs. And I know so many women who have tried to or have begun their own business now. But what yeah. was that for you? Yeah. I mean, I think I tried, you know, it, mine was a bit clunky because I didn't go from teaching right into smash and test. I went from teaching and I got this really serendipitous job offer in Los Angeles, which is why I'm here now. And it was in finance and it was totally a departure from teaching. And that was the biggest challenge because I actually took the leap from teaching into starting a consulting business, working for an LA based company in a completely different field. And I did that for a couple of years, but that was so critical 
in my transition, because there's, as you know, when you're a teacher, it doesn't really give you any time to do anything else. The bell rings, your life is governed. You can't even go to the dentist, you know, like you can't like a re like other jobs where you're like, I'll zip up to the store on my lunch or, you know, like it's just, it's very regimented. So I actually attribute uh, my success to actually launching smash and test. When I left teaching, it was that sort of push and that flexibility I had, but I think when I say I put up um, signs, I remember my husband now, I guess, boyfriend then, um, or my mom, I remember just being like, I'm not happy. Like, I don't feel happy. And, and they were kind of like, well, okay, you know, and I was like, but I'm not happy. Like, it's like, how many times do I have to say this? Can you fix my problem? Like, and then I realized I was like, no one's going to fix my problem. You know, I, I have to figure out what are the next steps and it's about, for me, I think everyone in teaching thought I would, I had, I was like, I, they could not understand or comprehend why I would leave teaching and go into this totally unknown career. And I remember I have severe Crohn's disease at the time I was like really sick. And my, I remember my union rep, I'm like, just go on leave. You don't need to leave. Like <laughs> you're actually legitimately sick. Just go on leave. And I was like, no. No, because I'm like, I'm making a decision today. I am going and I'm going with my head, head held high and knowing full well that this might be a decision. I look back on it and go, what was I doing? But you know what? You always have your license. You can always go back mm-hmm. to teaching. And so I was like, self-talk. Um, and ultimately I did it. I did it and I did it on my own. And these decisions are never easy, you know, and they're, and, and, and you just need to wait for that aha moment where you're like, wait a minute. And I think it, it took me a long time to get there because I am such a, like, I love to keep going. What's next? What's next? And most entrepreneurs are like, that's the truth. People be like, when did you know you found success? I'm like, what success? Like you, <laughs> your, your brain's not even there. Like you're like told you're 10 steps ahead of where everyone else is sort of like, you're, you're constantly pushing hard. And so I think that's when I was like, I got to the teaching, I got my graduate degree. I was getting paid the most money I'd ever get paid. And I was like, and, and, and I think to watching kids graduate, I was like, oh, so like, so and I was hope. there. Yes. Yes. I'm like, they're going on to make, do amazing things in the world. And I'm still here. And I'm like, it just didn't feel for me. Like I had, I knew there, I just knew there was another chapter for me. I just had this feeling. And I was like, I'm going to parlay everything I've learned about community and connectedness and all of it. I'm going to take all of that. I'm going to put that into my brand. Um, and that's really what I did. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I think it's so inspiring to hear because it is so scary to say, okay, I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to leave it and I'm going to venture into this unknown and who the hell knows what's going on here? Who the hell knows what kind of money I'm going to make, what kind of time off I'm going to have, if I'm going to find fulfillment. But then to think of it like you did, like, you know, there's, I've always got something to fall back on and I got to go for it. There's so much hope in that. And I think that that kind of mentality is so empowering, but it's really scary to get there. Totally. But I, I do love that. And speaking to your Crohn's, I have lupus. So oh, wow. Autoimmune. We're on the same yeah. meds. I know. Meds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my, my men are freaking out. I'm, I'm uh, very arthritic lately with oh, all this no, bitter so cold. Sorry. You yeah. must be nice in LA. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you need to move down here. You'll be better right? off. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that I do well in LA though. But I want to talk now about Smash and Test because you started this, correct me if I'm wrong, with your mother. 
Yeah, my mom. Yep, we did. She helped me. She was first investor and also just like my business advisor um, as I built the company. My mom's my favorite shopping partner. Like we travel the world, we shop, we, we call it shopper's elbow. When we have a long day shopping, like <laughs> from holding the bags. We're like, oh, uh, but like we're, we love this. This is something we've always shared in common. It's a passion of ours. So when I came to her with this and said, Hey, you want to do this with me? You know, it was a yes. And I think I've, you know, made her proud since. And then my best friend, like I said, early on in launching special desk, I got a job offer in LA and I thought, "Uh Oh, my mom lives in LA. Now I'm moving to LA and I just started a business. So, oops. And so then I realized like, who do I trust more than life itself? my best friend, uh, that I've known since I was five. So my best friend Mercedes joined the business as well pretty early on. Uh, and so it's been the three of us. Yeah. It's been amazing. So how, what inspired smash and test? Because are you like rompers? I want to get into rompers. There's a market for them. I'm going to fill that. How, how did that work? What was the inspo? No, this is the thing. Most people don't know. There was no romper in our first collection. There, there was no, we did not create this brand around rompers. But we did create what we felt was a lifestyle brand where we were like, what do we want to create? We want to create comfy clothes that women feel chic, put together, but with ease. And we want everyone, we want to celebrate women. That was a big part. It was like, I just want women to come and be like, we love you. You're welcome here. Everyone really for that matter. And so that's what the brand was based off of. And so we had one spring collection that did not have a romper. And then we launched our first was the Sunday romper, navy blue. And it was in our first, second collection we ever came out with for fall. And the people spoke. It was like, <laughs> it was like, and every business owner has a decision in that moment to be like, do I lean in to this and pivot and, and go? Because this is a, a, an opportunity I never saw coming or do I stay true to whatever creative vision I had and sort of like, you know, and so for me, it was a no brainer. I was like, people want rompers. Let's give them rompers. And what I recognized was it, it was created in dialogue with a community who were like, I love this. I want more. I want different sleeves. I want a color. I want. And so it was like, okay, okay, let's do this together. Let's make this stuff. And in that created that sort of really strong, engaged community of the smash test fam, I call them. Um, that watch every drop that have our back that are so supportive um, that are rooting us on. And so we now what we recognize is that we we say we're the leaders of the romper revolution. That romper revolution was co-created with our community um, because they spoke and they were like, that's what we want. <laughs> and so if you think about the romper and what it offers people, it's really about one and done. Um, it's like what we say is we empower women to live big lives with ease and confidence. So it's like, we, we got you, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my God, my kid's puking at four in the morning. I gotta go <laughs> teach. I gotta, blah, blah. it's like, what do I put on my body? There's your romper, put it on your body. In fact, you might've slept in it and you just want to put a bra on and rock it out for the rest of the day. It could work. So I think that's exactly it. And that's what we call the romper revolution and entangled and meshed in there. And the DNA is just the celebration of all women to come as they are. Um, and you wouldn't believe how many DMs I get from women that are like, well, I don't lose 10 more pounds. I'm going to buy the romper. I'm like, buy the romper, yes. buy the romper. Like yes. you are beautiful. Don't stop limiting yourself and, and setting these expectations. So in, so yes, it's about ease, but it's also about like ultimate joy and comfort and just like celebrating you in the moment and kind of relinquishing that 
desire, you know, to always be more, be skinnier, be pr- like, if this is what women, this is the self-talk that we need to work against, you know, and the fashion industry is notorious for making women feel like shit. That is what the fashion industry has been doing for years. And, and what I like to see is these movements of women being like, actually, you know, make clothes for me and not the other way around. I don't, I don't want to fit into an outfit that only looks good on the clothes hanger because I do exactly. not look like a clothes hanger or a mannequin, right? Exactly. I want to look good in something that was made to fit my bod. And yeah. this romper, the Elevate romper, I believe, is what I'm wearing. Beautiful. It fits my you. bod. I love it. Well, it, it looks it, fantastic. It does feel great. And I love how you kind of center everything around women. And it's like, what do they want? What do they feel good in? What makes them feel empowered, makes them feel like they can take on the day? And then I wonder, is that where your dad's focus and value in community and that kind of holistic growth? Is that where that comes in? Yes. Like that, because that's what I would say, like, we don't just make product, right? We're, yes, we make a fantastic product, but it's really about that connection with our community and that celebration. And that's the part that I think I'm most proud of. And the place that we're, we're like in the beginning, we would try to like reach out to fashion magazines and people were like, Oh, you're like rompers. Like, (laughs) you know, and it's like, what I love is that the people in our community are like, no, this thing's cool as shit. And then other influencers and celebrities have caught on. And then the fashion mags, like we're finally in Vogue, we're in Forbes, we're in, you know, and it's because like, it's because of our community saying, actually, this is fashion and this is what we want to wear and we feel good wearing it. And then on top of it is the give back element. Like we do a lot of work to um, donate money, raise money, donate money, and also just bring awareness to things that matter to us or things that we're committed to. And so that's the other element of community that is important to us too. Well, when you got Hillary Duff designing and promoting your lines, I mean, that's huge. Of course, you're going to be seen at this point. Like, it's it's massive. You guys have become so huge. And doing this with two people that are so close to you is amazing and aspirational. And I mean, I run our business with my husband. And it's like, you know, throughout the pandemic, it's been us two at home raising two kids. We had a pandemic baby. So that was fun. Me too. Really? Look at I that. Did. It's July 2020, right? Like oh of it in Los Angeles. Mine was July 5th, 2020. See? July 6th, 2020. No <laughs> we were in labor at the same time. <laughs> I like there's a lot of parallels here, Ashley. I, I wasn't aware right? of these. Yes. <laughs> so that's hilarious. So you know, you know yeah. how crazy it is that freaking pandemic baby. It is a lot. So then it's like, we're already living together full time. And before my husband, before pandemic, my husband was commuting from our city into Toronto. So we'd barely see each other during the week. And it was just on weekends. So now it's like, we got toddler, we got the baby, we have the business. It's constant. And we found that our marriage disagreements kind of dissipated and every disagreement we had was business related. Any argument we ever had was business related. And I'm curious because working with your mother and your best friend, what happens when you disagree? How do you guys handle that? How do you, you know, try to see eye to eye? Because it can be it can be hard, especially totally. when working with people you're like that comfortable with. Totally. It's the, it's the double-edged sword. It's like, it's the best thing ever. It's also like the most complicated thing ever. And I think the intense with, with wife and husband, it's a little different for friend, friend, I'll say like, mom, you're stuck. It's my mom. Like she's going <laughs> to 
I'm stuck with her forever. So like, <laughs> you know, like she's going to love the hell out of me regardless of what I do. Of course. Uh, but with my best friend, I mean, I think that that can be really challenging. And so I think if you both have the intention of, of friendship first, like that protecting your friendship, that is what's anchored us while we weathered incredible growth. That's not only exciting, but also very challenging, you know? And so we've been scaling our business and it's a really tough thing to do, but I think clear and really like honest conversation, like when we have tough calls, I will call my best friend and be like, this is really hard. I feel uncomfortable. This is what's happening. What do you feel? I love you. Like we just have these like very like stream of consciousness (laughs) conversations where it's like, you just have to put it all on the table and discuss and make sure everyone knows your intentions and that they're always good. And, and I believe that, you know, people are like, Oh, you work with your best friend. Is that all you talk about? And I'm like, well, yeah, we talk about it a lot, but isn't that super fucking fun? Like, I don't know. Like, yes, it's so fun. Like what, what, why wouldn't I want to talk about fashion and what are we going to wear? What are we going to make? Like, (laughs) I love it. So like, yeah, we talk about work, but we love, you know, we have each other's backs and we, um, and it's creative and it's fun and it's exciting. And yeah, why not do it with the people you love? And, you know, I see solo founders and I'm like, yeah, like it's great. Obviously you have like total control and you, you know, but I'm like, it's not, I can't imagine it being as much fun as doing mm-hmm. it with people that you love so much, you know? No. So. And here to talking about it, like Shane and I now pillow talk about podcasts and you know, that could sound like hell to somebody outside of the relationship, but it is so exciting. It's like if we grab a good guest, if we, you know, have a good partnership, if we do a really good podcast one night and we go to bed and we're laying in bed and talking about that, it's so exciting. It's like thrilling and it makes life, we always say, feel like a game. And we love that. We love winning in little areas. And if we take a hit, we take a hit and then we learn from it. Yeah. And, and you keep going. Yes. Yeah. And that that's so important to us. And we're trying to instill that because I read an article by what was it? A study by like Harvard, Harvard University or something. And then they said that kids, the quickest way to help your kids achieve success is by letting them fail and letting them fail yeah. frequently. And then I found a quote actually recently and it said, you have to see failure as the beginning and the middle, but never entertain it as the end. And that was the founder of Stella and Dot. And I want to know what your relationship with failure is like. Oh my gosh. So many things just came through my mind. One, I was like, <laughs> you must have crazy podcast sex. That's all I have to say. You're like, oh my God, we landed Polly Shore. And you just like go at it. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, buddy. You like just like go into full character mode. Um, that came into mind. And then, yeah, I think I, I feel this so much right now. I like, it's not, it's not easy at all. And I'm an overachiever and I'm, and I've been failing like on certain things and that I've been tried really, really hard at. And my husband is like, his, his talk to me is like every morning I'm like, what are we like, you know, I'm like upset about something. And he's just like, you can't, you, and it's so perfect what you say, because you can't, you can't think that he's like, you can't live in this world of orders, Ashley. Like if today your orders were low, it doesn't mean you have to step out of it and realize that look at the bigger success, look at the bigger picture and stop getting stuck in these like moments of failure. And, and my biggest advice to our team is always like, listen, if you're not, obviously if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying anything new, but the key, the key is I don't want you to make old mistakes. 
Yes. Like we're not in the business of making old mistakes. We have to be in the business of making new mistakes. Cause that means we're taking risks and we're trying something different. And that's all I care about. If we fuck up along the way, that's fine, but they have to be new ones. They have to be new mistakes. Yeah. I think it's, it, it is. I'm not going to say that I I've mastered it at, by any means, because I've literally had one of those days today where I'm like, I feel like the biggest failure. I feel like I'm letting everyone down or myself down. And it's different when your business is your lifeline. Cause it, you, your success for me, my success gets wrapped up in my kids and my house and my life because it's my success in my business that sustains my kids and all they want to do and my livelihood. And so I, it's all interconnected in a way that can feel super heavy. Like it can feel really heavy and it can feel really just demoralizing. And so I think it's like, you, you do have to find some joy. And like, that's my big thing is like, if I'm feeling like this, I'm like, I got to find some joy, whatever that is. Like, let's, I want to pick up the phone, call my best friend Mercedes and like, let's just laugh about something or like, let's get excited. Let's talk about a cool collab that we're all excited about Mm -hmm. so that I can get out of that negative headspace. And it's always, it's always a matter of just like stepping out of it for a while. And then you realize, Oh, okay. Like in the scheme of everything, this is not the end. And I will say nothing that I've ever accomplished in smash and test was ever done with ease. Like it has been a grind from the beginning. Hillary Duff said no to me. Okay. She said no. And I kept going. (laughs) Good for you. So like, that's the thing. And a lot of people get the no and they're like, Oh, well, I guess I'm not good at this. And you know, I guess I'm not going to see. And it's like, no, that's, that's actually when you're being tested the most. So like pick yourself back up. There's gotta be another angle and try again. You know, like that's it. That's all entrepreneurship is, is tenacity. No, it is. And and you can't take the nose. You can't. You got to keep pushing. And you like, you know when to kind of turn around and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to go a different route, but you can't take the nose. And, you know, I think about some of our biggest guests early on, because now we've got like 155 podcasts. Like it's a ton. I went through them. It's a ton. I was listening to like, I'm like, wow, <laughs> you have been busy. Yes. Well, cause we yes. were doing two a week at one point cause we were doing date nights every Wednesday night. We do a date night. So we're like, you know what? We have so much fun. Let's do a half hour pod on date nights and make a fun flirty thing. Cause like you said, podcasting gets us a little hot. So we're like, yeah. you know, it's a bit of foreplay <laughs> before date night. So we were doing like a wine tasting and then just like a flirty podcast. And then we proceed to all the date night activities. It has been so much fun. Um, But some of our biggest failures, yeah, or not even failures, just things that we felt like failures. And they can be so overwhelming. Like there was a time last year where we took a month off and we have never done that. But we took a month off because we had a guest on that was super controversial. We didn't know the depths of the controversies. And there was backlash. And then we had to say, oh, crap, like, all right, how are we going to go forward? Can we go forward? And you just you learn so much from those stumbles. And like, I'm still ragging on Shane. Do you know you're about the age? Do you know Silverchair, the band? Yeah. Okay. Obsessed with Daniel Johns, the lead singer. Obsessed with him growing up. He was going to do it. He was going to be on our podcast. He had agreed, but he was like four months down the line. Waited those four months. Something got mixed up. He couldn't do it anymore. So I'm like pressing Shane right now to get his ass back on Daniel Johns to make, (laughs) I need my teenage dreams to come true. But really it is, it is so much stumbling so much. Oh my God, this happened. Everything I've worked for is shot, but it doesn't need to be. And if you are tenacious, if you 
want good. And I think that's a huge part of it. And like I think about business and, you know, probably the business your mom was in. A lot of it is it's tough. It is it can get catty. I think of finances in the 80s, right? It can get really catty. It's doggy dog. All these animal analogies. But then I think of, you know, what you're doing. And I, I think of what we're doing. And I think helping people in some way while making a career out of it is the foundation. And I don't know what caused that shift in people. But do you, do you have any insight to that? No, but I agree. And you know what was funny is I, I had this weird – I was having such – uh, challenging week. I think it was two weeks ago. It was just, I, we got COVID. We, I missed Christmas, the business, we had all of these challenges. And I was just like at the end of my rope, mm-hmm. like, honestly, I told my husband, I'm like, I just want to run away. Like, yeah. can I, I'm just going to run away and everything will be fine. And we'll just live our <laughs> life in Mexico. I swear to God, I was at that point. And then I started, I was like, oh, I got, I couldn't put my samples away. So I started cleaning up my closet. So it's like, I can't put, I'm drowning in rompers, which is a good problem to have. But I'm like, <laughs> There's too many rompers. So I started cleaning. Then I thought, I went on Instagram. I was like, should I? Does anyone want these? So it's like, do we want, like, does anyone want a, some large rompers? Cause I'm like, I have five million of them and they, they should have a home. And it blew up and everyone was like, oh my God, I thousands of comments. I had all of these people wanted the rompers. So I painstakingly made surprise packages for eight people. And I wrapped up all my rompers. I shipped them around North America. And at the end of it, I said to my husband, like, oh my gosh, I feel like a load was lifted off of me. And I know it's so stupid and it's so small and it was just my used rompers, but like, I felt like I did something so nice and, and it felt so good. And I was like, okay, I think as I'm getting older, I'm realizing it's in those moments where you have to really like note it down and go, that made me feel really good. And whatever that felt like, I want to do that. It's like when people meditate, I don't meditate. I get in my car and I listen to loud hip hop as loud as possible. (laughs) That's meditation, girl. That's meditation. It makes me so happy. I recognized that like two months ago where I was like, holy shit, I'm not meditating anymore. I'm just going to go in my car and listen to loud hip hop. Like I'm 16 years old and it puts a (laughs) smile on my face and the sun's shining. And so it's like listening to those moments so that, cause that's what sustains you. That's what like keeps you going. And so I think like doing good, I get like, I mean, a lot of brands are finally coming around being like, oh, we should probably positively contribute to this world. But like, for me, it was always something that like, and and I'm not also going to like put a crown on and be like, I am the most responsible, (laughs) lovely human. Like, I think it's a journey. It's like a commitment to something. And I, but that's the thing. It's like, we're inclusive. Sure. But we could be more inclusive. There's always more. And there's all, so for me, it's just, it's just a journey and you're on it. And it's either you're committed to that end goal and you're going to get there. Um, and that's how I feel about smashing and test. It's like, we're doing good stuff, but like, I want to make more money so I can give more money. Like, this is what excites me. I'm like, I just want to like donate. I want to change something. I want to like eradicate Crohn's disease. Like one day, like I want to like <laughs> fix lupus. Like yeah. I, I want to like, I want to do something big. And I'm like, so the more support I have in my brand, the more money we raise, the more I promise to do good. Cause that's what matters to me and to everyone at smash and test. And so I don't know. I think maybe we're all just coming to that realization that like life's more than just like dollars in your bank account. It's like, what sustains you? What feeds your soul? You know? All right, Ashley, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. They're called Mini Miosh, but we have big love for them. I like that. 
So we have big love for them because they believe in quality over quantity and they make the absolute best basics for your littles. We have I'm, a large quantity of mini miage clothing. No. <laughs> we do. We, we do. believe in it. We believe in quality and quantity, uh, but they do make fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, they're comfy, they're timeless, and they can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. Yeah, you don't want toxic dyes, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> a kid gets a third arm. <laughs> but they're on a mission to leave the planet better off for little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you are getting 15% off your order. Use it. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. But we are also supported by... Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best bras that you can get your hands onto, your boobs into, everything. I second that motion. Getting your hands onto? No, just that they're the best. <laughs> they are. And of course, I became acquainted with Bravado Designs when I was pregnant, breastfeeding Lucy, and Shane just came home with like a random bra for me. I threw it on. It was the luck of the bra. I was going to say draw, but bra. There you go. Would you say that it was It was serendipity? That's what serendipity is, right? Serendipitous. <laughs> I guess, you know, you can only be clever sometimes. But truly, it was such a happy little first meeting. And I never I never used another, another nursing bra. And now it is so great because now that I'm, you know, in the process of weaning Betty, my second, they have an everyday collection. So these bras have no clips. They look beautiful under a t-shirt. You can wear them at work, whatever date night and you're solid they are the same amazing comfort and just the same ease and practicality as you know what you fell in love with with their nursing bras well said thank you so you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the canadian website for access to their everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com but regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. That is huge. So again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get back to our conversation with Ashley. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think that's so important. I think it's easy to lose your ground if you don't have that thought to some degree. And you need it to some degree. Otherwise, like... I see people, I know people I went to university with, high school with, that are totally lost on that money-making, do whatever you can to make it, you know, trail upwards. And sure, they're meeting success. And if I was to ask them, I I think some of them are truly fulfilled. But as an outsider, I I feel like there's a lot missing. And maybe it's because I'm a mother. And maybe it's because, you know, my thinking changed when I became a mother. It did. And there's no escaping that. And then I think about you and you launched Smash Test before you had kids. But do you think launching the company prepped you in any way for being a mom? Yeah, I well, I mean, Smash Test is my third baby. So, yes, <laughs> I think like I, I to be really passionate and love something so much. But um, yeah, I mean, it definitely gives you a different lens when you become a mom. You know, you start to care even well, I did anyway. I started to care about more things than myself. You know, like you're like you. <laughs> You no longer matter really is the moral of the story. Like you're like look here, you know? And so that definitely, I think gives you, um, like gave me, I should just speak for myself. It gave me just more commitment to my community. And what's exciting about my brand is my kids 
are like in it with me. Like I shoot on my kids all the time. We shoot in our rompers. Like they love their rompers. Like I love <laughs> that they get to wear them to the park. Cause Frankie, my older one loves it. She's like, I want to wear a romper today. She knows that means good times. Like fun, play, comfy. <laughs> You have to wear like a stiff dress. So yeah, that's really exciting to be able to have that like connection and to work remote is so cool. Cause like my mom would go off and work every day and I didn't get to see it. And I remember going to her office and being like, I'm going to work and like, I'd pretend to work. <laughs> and then my kid now, like my kids, I'm work. This is my mom's house I'm in right now, which is beside mine. We live in that's, the same. We have that's a amazing. I love yeah, we have a compound. I love So that. I'm in my mom's house because I escaped my children for the podcast. <laughs> Um, but normally you'd, you'd, you'd see them passing by, you'd see them, you know, and, and I love that. I love that my, like, I have funny videos of Frankie being like, I'm just working on the financials, you know, like she sees me every day or she'll get, pick up my phone and go smash and test beep, bop, boop. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but like, she's like, we just have this, like, it's cool. There's no boundaries are off and they're just a part of what I do every day. And it's super fun. And I'm so lucky that I don't have to leave them all day. And you know, that's tough. It's tough when I remember I did it at the beginning and I would put on a suit and I'd be gone, you know, all day. And so one silver lining in the pandemic is that a lot of us have been able to be home and kudos to our teachers um, and everyone who's going to work in a really scary time because I know all my friends still obviously are teachers. And I'm like, like, that's heavy. Everyone else, you know, does get to hide and get to be, and that's a, like, it's already hard enough. And someone like yourself that has an autoimmune disease and is likely on immunosuppressants, I am. And so going to teach even during when it wasn't the pandemic was scary because I could catch things and it was, you know, scary for me. So now I'm like, wow, like such heroes every day uh, to go off and work with kids. And so kudos to you. Well, the rest of us get to be drinking our coffee and, you know, working remote. (laughs) I got, I got to say that being back at school, I can actually have a hot coffee in the morning as opposed to being at home and trying to work remote, which it's like, I'm reheating my coffee 10 times in the morning just to get a hot sip. It's impossible. (laughs) I know this is why I moved to like a thermos and a straw because I I was always perpetually having cold coffee. No, absolutely. So, so, okay, I want to know because you said like at the very beginning of the interview, you're like your dad being, oh, you know, get into teaching that pension, that pension. My parents are the exact same. And I think it is very indicative of their generation to think, okay, look, you get benefits, you get a pension, it's stable. And they're all amazing things. And I get why they push that. But now you being of like a different ilk, I'd say, and, you know, being a company founder, do you see yourself being that kind of parent, but in a different way for your kids? I know. I've thought about this. I totally get why our parents were like that, by the way. I get mm. it. They want their kids to have stability. Course, they want to yeah. have, right? So I understand it. it might be the flip. Like it might be that I'll be like, I hope my kids are entrepreneurs. Like I, I, you know, like I'm like, but at the same time, I'm, I think I'm open to, I just want them to be happy. Like that's the, the, yeah, that's the truth. It's like, I feel so fulfilled in my day to day now. And I want that so much for my kids. Like if, as long as they love what they do, I always, one of our um, values is like, we love Mondays at Smash and Test. Like Monday shouldn't feel like Monday. How many memes do we see where people are like, oh, it's Friday. And I'll be honest, when I was a teacher, the biggest talk of the staff room was Christmas break or summer break. Yes. Right. It was like, and I was like, no, I don't want to live my life 
for that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm like, I want to live. I want to love every single day. Like I hate weekends. Cause I'm like, why isn't anyone mm-hmm. answering my emails? Like, that's how I feel now. <laughs> that's how much I love what I do. Whereas when yeah. I was a teacher, it was like, you know, it's not that I didn't love the kids. It just did really did feel like a grind because I wasn't fulfilled. No, you know? of course. Of course. And, but I think you modeling that and your kids being able, like you said, you're working remote. So for your kids be to be able to see that every day, I think yeah. will leave an indelible print on them. It, it, it can't not, right? To see you happy and doing what you want to do and being successful at it. My, my four-year-old, I was doing a styling reel last week that I posted <laughs> yeah. on Instagram and my four-year-old was like, Every time I come out to the mirror, she's like, why are you wearing a hat now? <laughs> like, why are you wearing a jacket? I'm like, I'm filming a real Frankie. Like, I'm trying to she's like, I don't understand why you're changing so much. I'm like, okay. Like, it's yeah, they're just a part of, they're just a part of it. And it is cool. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's an amazing opportunity that I think more women, especially, like I said, during the pandemic are trying to see if, you know, these options are available to them and how they can make it work. And while I see a, big chunk of these women getting into MLMs, which is a whole other conversation, I see a lot of them trying to start their own business. And that is truly theirs because that's the one thing with MLMs is that it's not truly yours, right? You're working under somebody and that's kind of the name of the game. But for women that are trying to start their own business in any way, do you have you know, some sage advice, sage Ashley Freeborn advice that you would give them or something that you always say if somebody's like, Ashley, like, tell me something, give me some hope. Is there something you go to? Yeah. I'm one of my best friends. Like I remember I was going through a really hard time in my life and he was like, yeah, but Ashley, think about the, the discomfort you're feeling right now. Does not mean like you're evolving. And um, and I remember it really hit hard because I was like, it's true. If we think about the true learning that happens in our life, it's not usually when we're in a place of comfort or security. It's actually when we're pulled in various directions and stretched in a place that feels really uncomfortable. And so I would say when I talk to entrepreneurs, it's like, I know that it's scary and I know that it feels really uncomfortable, but that actually is a really good sign that you are evolving. And like, what are we here to do if not evolve? You know, like, I don't want to be the same version of myself 10 years from now. I want to be the absolute best version of myself. (laughs) And so that's what I always think is like, it's not an easy road to, to that. And so just lean into it, you know, like lean. I always think of like when you're giving birth and they're like, breathe through yes. it. Like you're like leaning into it. It's kind of the same thing. It's like Perfect. lean into it, feel it. Like it's, it's okay to feel uncomfortable and it's also really challenging and I get it. And it's scary as all hell, but it's a good sign. You're on the right track to be honest, you know, uh-huh. as long as you've got that that desire and that passion and you feel like, yes, this is what I want to be doing today. Like you're on the right track. The birth analogy is perfect. Just breathe through (laughs) it, babe. It sucks. It's painful. You're bleeding. You're shitting. All these things are happening, but then you have a baby. Look what you're recorded with, right? (laughs) Exactly. It's the best analogy I've ever heard for business. I love that. I'm going to take that with me. I'm going to keep that in my head when I'm going through a shitty time. It's like, nope, nope. Just waiting for the epidural, waiting for that nice little, that helpful kick. Yeah. And then and then the baby. Exactly. No, I love that. And Ashley, we'll end it with that cuz I think that's what I want people to go with. The birthing analogy. <laughs> this is amazing. Very visceral. Very visceral. Yeah. 
But thank you so much for your time today. Where where can folks, listeners, go to check you out? Check out Smash Test. Keep up with the drops. Everything. All of it. Yeah. Well, our Instagram is at Smash Test. Um, my personal one you can follow along. I'm usually doing some silly antics on stories, and that's <laughs> at a freeborn. Um, and then of course smashtest.ca if you're in Canada and smashtest.com if you're global. So come check okay. us out. Hell yeah. yeah. You're everywhere and the best. And I have been in utter comfort this interview because I am wearing a smash uh, and test romper. So thank you I for that. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it on your face. You can always tell you feel a little more confident, oh, you know, when you're comfortable. There's a glow. It's not the ring light. It's the romper. But <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, thank you so, so much for your time tonight. And I hope you have a lovely Friday night, weekend, you too, whatever you got girl. in store. Absolutely. Yeah. Pour another cocktail. Enjoy it. Thanks for having me. I will. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Ashley Freeborn. Very cool name. So cool. And a cool chick. Like, I met her briefly several months ago. And, of course, I'm a huge fan of her brand. She is so well-known within, I think, my demographic in Canada. Incredible brand. Incredible ethos. And I know she got into that a lot during the interview. But just as a woman in business, I was able to glean so much from her. And I really hope that the listeners were too, because she she does have so much wisdom, mm-hmm. right, to give. And, and your demo is hockey bros between 20 and 30? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. But Shane, enough of this. Let's let's get into the end. Let's get into the mailbag segment. Okay. <laughs> you just looked so tired all of a sudden. Well, I'm upset I didn't get a laugh for my hockey bros joke. I, I realized it was not funny. No, but. it was funny. I was trying to play it. I was trying to get the laugh. I was trying to flop the laugh on you. This is the section that I love the most. (laughs) It's the mailbag segment. Alex takes listener questions. That's right. You, the listener, can submit questions to this podcast if you like, and Alex will answer it, find it through Google, and then add her own two cents. (laughs) I'll kick in there, too, with some thoughts. All right. So the first questions, I'm going to combine the first two. So this is from a new listener or something that hasn't reached out. And they asked something that maybe old listeners might know, but let's address it again. You know, we're rebranding. Let's address it for the new folks we got on board. Is it how we met? Where did you grow up and how did you guys meet? So we both grew up in Hamilton. When we met, Shane was living in Toronto, which is like an hour away. You came back for uh, some dates and that really worked out. Came back to Hamilton where you were living, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the first day that Shane texted me, we decided to go out like two hours after the first text, which was super convenient. Well, your cousin set me up with you. I I matched with your cousin on Tinder, and she set me up with you on a date, and she declined her date with me, Mm -hmm. even though she agreed upon it, but she, (laughs) she fell in love with someone else and decided to set me up with you. I initially met you five years prior on a music video for the Arkells video, Where Are You Going? And I got to say, sorry, on that topic, because we were talking about Cameron Crowe earlier in this interview, or sorry, earlier in this podcast, Cameron Crowe actually gave you a shout out for that interview. On Twitter, yeah. Yes. What did he say? No, he didn't shout me out. He shouted Max out for his acting skills in that video. Regardless, he saw your work and he liked your work. You directed Max. Yeah. And this was with my good friend, uh, Mark Myers. And uh, he's also a director. I, I wrote this music video also. So I casted you. You were part of the something. Mm-hmm. Like I picked you. I, there was, I think, four or five options and I chose you. I didn't even know I was an option until I got contacted by you. It's not something I applied for. 
Yes, Max just sent me your Facebook. There was other people who had headshots. Right. And then I saw your Facebook. I was like, well, she looks like an 80s like beauty. <laughs> so she looks like she could be a mannequin. Like your hair was quite big. You weren't really, it, I'm not saying you weren't stylish, but you weren't of the times. You were kind of timeless, hey, which is the nicest way to I'll say it. I'll take it, yeah. And you, you were great in the video. I didn't really talk to you. I did most mm-hmm. of my talking through Mark and maybe I was intimidated. I don't know. And then I found your ID. Yeah, months later. Um, a couple, a couple months, months later. later, found your ID. You didn't know who I was, but I contacted you. You had forgotten I was the director from the shoot. You thought I was a bartender. And I said, <laughs> oh, hey, here's your ID. You left at the bar. And, you know, that was it. And then five years later, of course, I matched with your cousin who set us up. And we fell in love quite early, I would we think, see, like well, after the first date. Yeah, on the first date, I think we were, we were in love. Even though... The first date, you were playing it so cool. You, the last person you wanted to talk to was me. You wanted to show how popular you were, so you talked to every single person in the bar. Any, this was on a patio too, so anyone who walked by the patio, they'd be like, "Hi, Alex." You'd be like, "Hey, get over here." You'd have a twenty-minute conversation as I'm sitting there alone. I knew everybody at the bar that yeah. night. Anyway, it was wild. It was it wild. Was, it, it felt was, good. Yeah, we ended up dancing that night, and uh, we had shared a kiss. It was very romantic. I uh, love you. <laughs> I love you. Um, so, yeah, oh, good. crap. I had something I wanted to add to that. Shit, I forget. The Cameron the thing? Crow thing. Well, there was the, the two-part thing is how did we meet, and what's the other thing? Yeah, where, well, where are we from? Oh, yeah. In Hamilton, yeah. But I'm our, from Hamilton, born and raised. If you're, if you're local, our first date was at Gallagher's, which has shut down since, but which is we, such a bummer. We found out Gallagher's was closing. Yeah. So we got a babysitter just for like 20 minutes, went to Gallagher's and had a, one drink and then left. I remember what I was going to say. What's that? In retrospect, like when we first started dating or even now, mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you ever jealous at how I was cozying up to your buddy Max in that music video? No. Because <laughs> my energy is so much different than Max, and I have this theory that I want to do the Pepsi challenge with like a million men and for you to still like me. And if you don't, I, I'm i just over it. No, no. I, I am into your flavor. Whatever that flavor is, I'm there for it. I don't want anything else. You kissed another member of the Arkells. I won't say who. Well, yes, we weren't well, dating. I, yeah. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> two. Your flavor. Yes, two members of the art guild. <laughs> so, you know, your flavor is quite wide. Okay, Shane. Well, one was because after, you know, the music video, I got to know a couple more people. Uh, yeah, they had this weird music video party that I wasn't invited to. And I was invited by a member who wasn't even in the group anymore. Alex, you can't narrow it down that much. Well, what, what, he's not listening to this. He's not in the group doesn't matter okay (laughs) and the other one we'll just leave it there but all right next question what's your day job that you're doing from home this week how can you work from home do you still teach yes but there's virtual high school too so that is awesome next question is it like virtual reality do they put a headset on you and you can see the kids goodness no it's just you sit at your computer and i i talk with them through the camera it's great uh next question What's your opinion on leaving your current job a negative review on Indeed? So did do you know what Indeed is? No. Did okay. you actually think I thought you could wear a virtual helmet and see all the kids and they could see you? I don't know what you're saying. Continue. Go, go. Maybe in rich schools. Uh, Indeed is a site where you can go and you can leave your 
employers and employees reviews anonymously yeah i think so so i was i was kind of looking it up and it's really weird so how do you feel about going and doing that so you're not planning on leaving the company or your job or anything and you are signing in and leaving an, an anonymous review about your employer i don't know i don't like it as we talked about before i like direct confrontation Mm -hmm. any issues to deal with them head on and i don't try to make an enemy ever and i find that's a way to make an enemy whereas if you deal with a confrontation head on you can walk out with a better understanding of each other and possibly leave with a friend i like that and this anonymous thing it's just going to infuriate that's my worst word everyone (laughs) (laughs) infuriate yeah i don't know how to say it infuriate okay Okay. you're gonna do that to people (laughs) you don't want to do that no i i agree i think i hate when people do things anonymously because then you know you say things you typically wouldn't i say approach them and then you know write write a letter if things go sour i don't know but i don't like the idea of it unless Whatever, you're leaving the company and you want to do it under your name and expose something, whistleblow, whatever. That's different. Next question. Do you agree when it comes to cheating? If they will do it with you, they'll do it to you. So you heard that that phrase before, right? I heard get them, you lose them how you get them, got them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same, yeah. same kind of thing. So like if they do it with you, as in if you're a part of an affair or whatever, then they'll do it to you. So same thing. What is your thought i think the likelihood's way harder like uh, higher rather Mm -hmm. but age is a huge factor too maturity and Mm -hmm. children and everything i don't know it's like if you dress bad in high school does that mean you're gonna dress bad (laughs) in your 20s and or in your 30s there's a lot of growth that can happen throughout the years Mm -hmm. i look at things i did and said four years ago and i'm i'm just shaking my head at myself yeah it's a constant evolution some people i think it's harder to evolve some people it might seem like it's harder to them for them to evolve but then they have this moment where it just happens mm-hmm. all at once so everyone is so different generally maybe that's true but generalizations are also tricky territory because so many people do change see i think the key there you talked about evolution and growth and i think it all comes down to a person's willingness to evolve and to actually learn from their mistakes and that can only happen if they recognize mistakes and want to get better through that be a better person be a better partner whatever and i found an article in the atlantic and it was this question it was a therapist a relationship therapist writing about this kind of situation and they said that essentially when somebody cheats it's important to understand why they cheated and what they learned from the experience, right? That's It all comes down to learning, whether they learned something, what they learned, and if they think that whatever they learned is worth carrying on, right? And while some research shows that people who cheat are more likely to cheat again, and I think we all know somebody who has been in a relationship like that or somebody who is like that, it's also the case that more than half of those who cheated before are not repeat offenders. So more than half the people who cheat have only cheated once, which I think is good to know. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you have skin in the game, I guess it matters. I don't know. I guess everyone in a relationship is skin in the game, but I don't know. I choose to trust. Mm-hmm. No, it's just, again, it's it's <laughs> that all. That mm-hmm wasn't too uh, comforting. No, it's all 
learning. It's all learning. And mm-hmm. if if a person is genuinely, genuinely, oh my goodness, genuinely learning and wanting to improve, right? Yeah. Anyway, next question. Were there things you couldn't tell your parents when you were younger? And what will you do differently to make sure your kids come to you with these kinds of problems? I mean, I didn't tell my parents... Like they knew when I'd be having some beers with my friends and things like that. But that's not something I was super forthcoming about. They always just caught me because I was super obvious about it. You give me a beer and a half and I'm talking your ear off and in funny voices and dancing around a room, right? So it was just something they always caught. And then I'd tell them the truth of what happened after. But I was just, I was nervous to get in trouble. I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I was a really great student. Like I was a straight A student. I was captain of all my sports teams or on the starting five of all my sports teams. And I really just wanted to be be good, right? And then I also liked to party and I liked kissing guys and all that. And it that's not something you want to tell your parents when you also mm-hmm. want to be the good kid. So that was tough. And I don't know. I just hope I hope to do that thing. Shane, have you heard that thing where it's like parents, they tell their kid when they're getting a little older, like, if there's ever a problem, you call me and like you say, you know, some like magic word or something. And then the parent just goes and gets them no questions asked. And it's like to be used in, you know, just so the kid doesn't get in trouble. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, Mom, I'm at a party and banana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what about you? Wait, wait. Uh, what, did I do what? It's like, were there things that you didn't go to your parents for and didn't, like, would hide from them? And what would you do differently to make sure the girls, you know, came to you and told you things? Mm, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty open but i didn't do much like i <laughs> i didn't really drink or do anything so i was not a good student i was a good student in elementary school but i got overwhelmed a lot and i just couldn't focus that's mm-hmm. that was my main issue i could never focus on anything and then i would get embarrassed that i would fail so i'd rather not do it than fail because then that would mean that i'm not smart enough whereas right. if i just didn't do it it was a choice so you, you like ran away from situations that you couldn't focus in so that you couldn't say that you yeah, failed because yeah. of effort. And my parents really didn't inquire about my schooling too much. So I, I think I'd be honest if mm-hmm. I was directly faced with a question like, why didn't this happen? But that never really happened. So, yeah, I never really had to hide anything. And I was fairly free. I could leave the house and do whatever I wanted and kind of come home when I wanted. Mm-hmm. Especially with my mom, like my, I didn't live with my dad. Uh, yeah, no, not really. And with my own daughters, I'm so open and cool to hear everything and to share everything that I don't think that'll ever be an issue here. Yeah, I ho- and I hope not. Like we've kind of really been um, focusing in a lot about like feelings and talking through situations since Lucy was like tiny. So I hope that carries on and like the whole purpose of this is so that they feel comfortable coming to us with things when they're older, right? It's just but, in my DNA. I'm just such yeah. an open and honest person for the most part that I couldn't imagine a world where someone wouldn't feel comfortable talking to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Next question. What's going on with the protests in Canada? So right now we have uh, the trucker convoys for freedom. 
people who are against vaccines, uh, mandates, mostly mandates, I think, because the truckers can't go to and from the states without being vaccinated. Right. So I think 80 percent of truckers are vaccinated and 20 percent aren't. Uh, and they don't feel that they should have to be vaccinated to bring their goods across the border. Anyway, the truckers and a bunch of supporters have now blocked off the majority of our capital, like the downtown. Uh, and they've been there for about a week. And now they're in Toronto as well. And Shane actually got caught in the middle of it in Toronto the other night. Yeah, I was trapped in Toronto by the convoy. They And they had blocked off streets. This was more in anticipation of the convoy. Because so it was the day before. Yeah, so the police blocked off streets because they knew the convoy was coming to Toronto. I had a shoot in Toronto, which... I've only left the house a handful of times since COVID began. And of course, I get caught up in the convoy and I can't leave my hotel because my hotel was on the main street that all the streets were shut down and my car couldn't get out. And the valet was telling me that it was going to take three to four hours to get my car. So I'm thinking, oh, do I stay in the hotel again or do I take a train home? And I started debating it. And then I talked to your parents and everything and they decided, I think... Your dad said, go home and he'll pick up the car for me like on, Monday. on Monday. And I'm thinking, how's he going to do that? You got to drive a car down. Well, because to- then I'd go with him. and we'd- Oh, you would go, yeah. yes. And it was this whole thing. I just like driving as it is, let alone when I have to go through this ridiculous amount of traffic and all these problems. So I ended up going back to the hotel after I started walking to the train. I rethought it, went back to the hotel. This guy who, this new guy, valet, he had heard about me and my issue. <laughs> I like a lot. I like that the valets are having conversations about you. Like they are either laughing at your sorry ass or they are pitying you and feeling bad well, for you. Well, if they're laughing at me, the guy advised me to leave the car there too, <laughs> yeah. which I guess the advice was because it starts out $58 per night to leave your car. <laughs> if you do it two nights in a row, there's a rollover thing That's where crazy. all of a sudden it costs 120 it was this whole like weird structure, but they said I could maybe get out of it, but it was in this gray area. They weren't being clear. So I came back and the valet, this other valet, he wanted to help me. And he was like, I've heard about you. They said you were going to take the train. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I changed my mind. He goes, what's your name? I go, Shane. He goes, last name Cunningham. He goes, come with me. Takes me into this room, grabs my keys, <laughs> takes me through an employees only area into a freight elevator. His boss comes up, sees me. And he's like, hey, he's like, what's going on? And he goes, it's okay, it's okay. He goes, oh, okay. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Are you are you nervous at all? Like, you don't know this guy. He's just heard about your story. You're going in all no. these weird areas. He instilled confidence. Okay. He really did. He seemed like he knew what he's doing. He goes, I'm going to get in the back of your car. I go, get in the front. I go, <laughs> I go, get in the front. He goes, no, no, I cannot. He goes, I'm getting in the back. I'm going to tell you what to do. You have to go down this street, this side street. You'll get out. I'm like, okay. So he hops in the back. Oh, my God. We go through like this. It's like a maze. And he's directing me left here, right here, right. I get out and the streets just packed. Like you can't move. The traffic is not moving at all. It's a green light. Cars can go, but they can't. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking instantly regretting You're stuck this. with this regretting guy. This. Now I have to like make up conversation. <laughs> I'm like, what's your favorite movie? And he hops out of the car and he starts like, hitting cars and being like yo back up back up back, back. and he creates this weird space and then like he's it, phys- oh, sorry he's physically like he's slapping sm- the cars smacking the cars and holding cars back and <laughs> telling cars to back up and i'm able to weasel my way through like frogger 
And then I was able to go down this weird alley, he told me, which would kick me out to an open area where it was safe to drive. And it took like 20 minutes, but it worked. And then I said, oh, let me give you money, like, and uh, give me your email. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't take it, wouldn't accept a tip, wouldn't accept an e-transfer. And he just told me to tell the Sheridan employees his name and that that would help him a lot. What is his name? Fetsum. Fetsum. And so wait, so he... Because I texted you his name because I couldn't remember it. So he was a human shield, essentially, on your behalf. So you could get through. And Shane, without his help, you, and you know, we were talking about your neurodivergence earlier... You cannot deal with directions. No. That kind of thing gets you nervous and just boggled, right? Mind boggled. So yes. without Fetzum's help, you would not have been able to do that. It I'd, would have taken you- I'd be lost in Toronto. I'd get in oh, some weird predicament and the maps aren't always helpful because sometimes yeah. the maps lead you into a trap, especially when there's something like this, which isn't always recognized via the map. Yes. So Fetzum really saved my ass and uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it because the other employee, it's not like he wanted to be unhelpful. He was just trying to play it so safe. Yeah. And I was in no mood to really play it safe. No, that's so tough. It's so tough. And I'm so glad you got home because I was really worried about you, obviously, because when you drove up to there was like an awful snowstorm. Oh, it was a snowstorm. I got stuck behind the convoy of snowplows where you have to go 30 miles an hour. But at least it's safer than being in front of the snowplows. Yeah, but they were kicking back a little bit of snow. Mm. And also the cars behind me were wondering why everyone was going so slow. So, (laughs) you know, 10% of drivers are complete assholes. So those assholes are trying to speed and weave and get by the plows and almost causing accidents. People were spinning out behind me. It was so icy, the roads too, because once they cleared out the snow, it made a level of like Mm -hmm. ice beneath the snow and people were spinning out. It was wild times. No, I know. I was so nervous for you, Shane. I just kept thinking about my little baby stuck in traffic and stuck in a snowstorm, not sure where to go because you don't know directions. And it made me feel so scared for you. I felt like your mom in that situation being just like, oh, my little guy, he doesn't know what to do. He's yeah. going to get so overwhelmed. It made me it made me really worried about you. Anyway, how much? What, what do we got for time? How many more uh, questions should I do? I don't know. Two questions. Okay. Let's fire through these. Okay. Well, we'll do one long one then. Okay. Or no, I'll save this for next week. Okay. All right. Would you let your teenage kids swear only at appropriate moments? I would say when it is, when when it serves a greater purpose other than just letting me know that they're pissed off. I don't know. I don't like swearing. I, I, w- I would try to have them not swear. No, of course not. But if there is a situation where it actually can punctuate the sentence well, but not just because they're used to doing it. But there's always a better word. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I would never stop them, but I would never let them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. You Well, we'd encourage using more vocabulary. Yeah. Right? I don't like swearing. No, you don't. I swear more than you. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question. Like, I swear more on the mic, probably, to be funny than I would in a real-life situation. Mm-hmm. When I when we go out or something like that and we're having a night out, I I really just kind of let her rip. Yeah, and you swear. <laughs> Next question. Final question. We do question. a lot of Mexican nights. Go. Would you and Shane do reality TV? That's kind of what we're doing. I wouldn't want to do a TV show. No. But, I mean, the Instagram account, that's essentially what it is. This podcast, that's essentially what it is. You get to pick and choose, is. though. What, you, what do you mean? It gets to pick and choose. Well, with reality TV, they get to edit you any way they want. They do, but do we have a say in that? 
No. <laughs> yeah. So I like I like how we do it. Yeah. The question is, would you ever go on a reality TV show? No. Okay. Would you? I know Not you at would. this point. Earlier, you would have gone on The Bachelor. Oh, I would love to go on The Bachelor. Not at this point. That's why I said would have loved to go on The Bachelor. <laughs> I thought you said would love. Well, in another world, it would be fun. Yeah. Well, if you ever did that, like if we broke up and then you went on The Bachelor, I would apply and pretend that I was like dramatic enough to go on The Bachelorette just uh, to spite you and to get farther than you. And then I would win again just to spite you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, even these thoughts are making me feel competitive about you. You win, uh, Alex. In a hypothetical divorce. Okay. Anyway, Shane, mm -hmm. that's it. That's the episode. Folks, if you're listening, if you're a listener of for a long time, if you're a new listener, we so appreciate you being here and we love you. And the best way that you could repay us is to go give us a rating, five stars, ideally. Give us a comment and you know, that'll make us sleep better at night. And then that'll make you sleep better at night in turn. Okay. <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much for listening to this, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Episode 119.